Merry Christmas, dear listeners. Is it Christmas afternoon? And are you avoiding your family? It's okay, I won't tell. Perhaps you're on a plane, traveling somewhere, or a train, or in your car, traversing the country, headed to your second Christmas. Maybe you're on your way to your second, or maybe even your third. I remember as a kid being jealous of the kids who had uh, divorced parents because it it meant that they had like at least two Christmases. I didn't really figure what the other 364 days were like for them, but Christmas, I thought that must have been cool-ish. Anyway, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Thanks for tuning in. It is a holiday-themed episode of Reading Aloud, of course, and today we have several spectacular readers and essays. Uh, They came out for my last live show in December. If you made it to the show, thank you so much for coming. But before we get into the show today, a reminder about the book club, Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff is this month's choice. It's about a marriage. They seem like they have it all, wealth, beauty, but, uh uh-oh, not so fast. They might be sad. It was a finalist for the National Book Award, and uh, Goodreads chose it for one of their new fiction awards. Um, Hopefully, this is the time of year that you have some time to sort of rest over a holiday break, maybe. So curl up with this book and, and read about a layered marriage and the good and bad that comes with it. Um, I'm hoping you have time to relax and read. Um, So maybe this is the perfect time. If you've been putting off joining the book club because you've been too busy with work, this is the one to join. So pick up Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff and join us. January 13th, we record that book club. So you have plenty of time. Um, I've been catching up with some television, which I'm actually really excited about because I don't watch as much TV as I probably should being an actor who sometimes works in TV. Um, um, But I'm watching this amazing documentary series on Netflix. Have you seen it, Making a Murderer? Holy fucking shit. Uh, Find time for that as well, but spend more time with the book. Okay. Also, Serial. I've been listening to Serial, which I really like. All right, on to the show. Here's the lineup, okay? Um, Because I don't want to chime in and interrupt after every essay, so I'm just going to give you the lineup now. Uh, First, we start with um, The Blessed... Megan Amram, um, who joined us on the very day her essay was published in print in the New York Times. Uh, Megan has been on the show several times. She is a brilliant writer and comedian, and this essay is one of her best. There's a reason that it was published in the Times last week. It's Gwyneth Paltrow's Gift-Giving Guide. Um, (laughs) It's a great way to start off the show. Next, we transition to... Seth Morris as Bob Duca, uh, who has a show actually on Earwolf. Check it out, Daily Affirmations with Bob Duca. Uh, Bob Duca is one of my favorite characters of his, along with um, Cracklin' Bob, which is another character that Seth plays. I don't think he plays him anymore, but this is way back in the day. Um, As you listen to this, as you listen to Bob Duca, imagine a tall, graying man with a neck brace and a mustache and a gut-retaining girdle. And he's also not wearing shoes, and his socks are soaked with blood. <laughs> you can see a picture of this, of Bob Duca, on my Instagram account, uh, Nate Cordry. He read his Christmas list, uh, which <laughs> made me laugh deeply. Next up uh, is Natalie Palamides, who's a newcomer to the show. Uh, Mike Still, who's done both the live show and the book club, 
recommended her to me as one of the great young talents at the UCB, and she did not disappoint. She was great and really sweet and very funny. She uh, read an essay by Jen Spira, Spira called Ultimate Dreidel Fighting Rules, <laughs> and she's fucking terrific. Then... It's Seth Morris time again, but actually Seth Morris. He comes out as himself and read Colin Nissen's piece, uh, The 12 Days of Christmas. This is so well read and Seth just dominates. And um, uh, Colin Nissen it just does not disappoint ever. And this show is heavy with his work and, it's, uh, and I'm happy about it. We follow up after Seth. Uh, with more of Colin's work. Um, he's famous for writing the decorative gourd piece, which is maybe the McSweeney's most popular piece that he wrote several years ago. Um, it's decorative gourd season, motherfuckers. My brother read that essay on the show many, many months ago, and he was wonderful. I, I read it on this one. I don't do it justice. But Emily Maya Mills does. She comes on after me and reads the new published companion piece to Decorative Gourds, and she kills it. And she's done the show several times, and I was super psyched to have her back. And thank you, Colin, again, for allowing me to um, have your stuff read on the show. Finally, we close it out with Steve Agee, who's another friend of the show. who's done the live show a bunch of times. He reads a piece called The Spirit of Christmas by Kurt Lux, which was published um, like 14 years ago. Um, through McSweeney's, and it still holds up. And I tried to find Kurt online, and I didn't have any luck. So I'm hoping he's okay with me having his piece read here on the show. Kurt, if you're listening and you're mad at me, I apologize. So without further ado, we get to Megan Amram, then Bob Duca, then Natalie Palamides, then Seth Morris. Then we finish up with Emily Mai Mills and Steve Agee. So here it is, the holiday uh, version of Reading Aloud. Please give me a warm welcome to Megan Amram. Hi. Hello. Um, yeah, so this piece was in the New York Times today, which is funny because I think the New York Times is a newspaper, but now <laughs> apparently if you do tweets, you can be in it. So that's awesome. A lot of people thought this was real because, again, it is in the New York Times. <laughs> Uh, so this is called Gwyneth's, God damn it. This is called Gwyneth's Gift Guide. <laughs> Hello all, Gwenny here. Welcome to another issue of Goop, my newsletter for people who enjoy the finer things in life. I'm proud to present our annual gift guide. Just because I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, it doesn't mean I can't kick back and enjoy the holidays. I put my winter capris on one cashmere leg at a time, just like you. Here, I've compiled my favorite buys for every type of person. Whether you want to spend $7,900,000 or $8 million, we've got the right gift for you. For the centered soul. Trinket vessel, $339. If you're like me, your trinkets end up all over the place. <laughs> Hidden inside your artisanal peony terrarium, strewn on your wicker birthing chairs, veiled behind a piping hot cup of acai and clamshell tea. Keep your trinkets neat and tidy with this minimalist, tourist-shaped vessel. So stunning. <laughs> Candle masseuse, $197 per hour. 
This moderately priced candle masseuse will massage your candles, votive or taper, for a clearer, more intense burn. Why not treat your candles to a little holiday cheer? Free range dream catcher, $418 to $523. Did you know that the human body is 70% dreams? Most dream catchers sequester a dream until it's cramped and broken, like a calf for veal. This dream catcher, made from organic, non-GMO wheats and berries, allows the dream to roam free until the moment of humane confinement. The People for Ethical Treatment of Dreams, PETD, gave it three Zs up. Very tiny tarot cards, $196. This adorable gold leaf tarot set is perfect for a tiny bird or even a small mouse. For the feeler. Geranium eye mist, $515. If you happen to have lost the ability to cry through a combination of Botox and a cocktail of personality disorders, this floral scented eye irritant will produce extremely realistic tears immediately upon contact. Perfect for funerals, Oscar speeches, and haggling with your local fishmonger. <laughs> Porcelain and crystal bisque, $3,400. This soup looks better than the real thing. A sculpture of a bowl of soup made entirely of solid porcelain and healing crystals can be used as decoration or a meal replacement. I lost 64 pounds by replacing three meals a day with thinking about crystals. <laughs> Leather divorce papers, $279 for a pack of four. He can't not sign these. Made from the tanned hides of Wagyu show steers, these gorgeous, legally binding divorce papers will make consciously uncoupling a pleasure. After the divorce is finalized, treat yourself to thinking about a crystal bowl of ice cream. Your body will love you for it. For the wanderer. We are the 1% globe. $2,914. Ever think to yourself, there are just too many countries? Well then, this beautifully enameled, reclaimed, no-kill ivory globe is just for you. We removed any countries with a GDP of less than $2 trillion, according to the World Bank, leaving the United States, China, Japan, Germany, Britain, France, Brazil, Italy, and India. These countries have been arranged, according to celebrity child consultant Northwest, in a cute, minimalist, neo-Pangea landmass. Human picture frame, $670 to $1,890 plus annual food and water stipend. A picture frame for people who don't do picture frames. Hire this human adult man to hold your photos silently in front of his face. Comes in three practical sizes, tween, medium, and Swedish. PETD membership, $530,700 for one year. Give the gift of a one-year membership to this up-and-coming association created to protect and advance the art of dreams. It's very exclusive. There are very few members. There is only one member. I am the only member. For the fun lover, real life Monopoly set, about $42,420,595. 
Why still play old-fashioned board games with rinky-dink pieces and flimsy dollars? It's 2015, for my close friend Pete Sampritz's sake. We found an incredible option for the serious gamer, a real-life Monopoly set using real U.S. currency, houses, and hotels. Each kit comes with 32 actual livable houses strewn across the eastern seaboard, each worth $200,000, and 12 fully functional Kimpton hotels, each worth $3 million. Price includes a beautiful locally sourced burlap sack with actual bills worth $20,580. Floor length jean shorts, $4,415. As if jorts couldn't get more stylish. A bit pricey, but you're paying for the detail. The seamstresses who make these fashion essentials have painstakingly pulled out the seams of jorts to create an entirely new kind of pant, one that stretches down to the floor. <laughs> Twister with Gwyneth, $4,600. I've put my own spin, pun intended, on the classic contortion-based child's game. Instead of a bunch of colored dots on a map, my twister is just one ecru dot in the middle of the tarp. It's sleeker and has a gorgeous minimalist aesthetic. To play, you just stand in the middle of the mat and have your human picture frame read you a basho haiku. So fun. For the splurger. DIY novel set, $13,000. These inspirational books will have you writing in no time. We found a whole set of first edition Jane Austen novels, ripped out all the pages, and replaced them with blank pages. You'll feel her spirit in every line that you write. $100 bill, $1,000. What says holidays more than cold, hard cash? Plus, Ben Franken looks adorable here. <laughs> Hang it on the wall as cute art for a nursery or fringe the edges and use as garnish for a summer salad. <laughs> Yoga mat. Market price, around $106,500,500. This yoga mat is made out of a Picasso. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Megan Amram, there she goes. God, man. Uh, my next reader is not technically a reader. Um, I, don't, uh, I don't think he has anything to read. I, he, I uh, saw him, um, we met uh, in the line at the grocery store um, earlier today, and he was just sort of uh, chewing my ear off and wanted to uh, come be a part of the show. So, um, so please give a warm welcome to uh, Bob Duca. Bob Duca. Bob. <laughs> Okay. Hello. My name is Bob Duca. You're for, you'll forgive me, I'm sure, for not wearing shoe, shoes, but in a comic series of events, I accidentally stepped into two separate jars of honey, two separate trays of birdseed, and then was attacked by a murder of crows. If you'll indulge me, I'd like to read for you my Christmas list. 
sack garters, <laughs> underpants, ice packs, veterinarian grade ear and nose hair trimmer, <laughs> six by eight foot LL Bean dog bed, <laughs> Newman's own hug butter, futon mounted urine jar, industrial grade pill crusher, Wicker scrub, extremely high-fiber bran muffins, nine-ply toilet paper, double-barrel neti pot, enema couch, Vicks VapoRub brand whole house humidifier, and by that I mean that I would like to live inside a gigantic humidifier. I've crunched the numbers, and that's the only thing that will provide me with any relief. Gas-powered sleep apnea machine. <laughs> Michael Jackson deep sleep IV juice. The Danny, the Danny Thomas glass coffee table by Bed Scat and Beyond. Google it. Hindu bed of nails made of EpiPens. Soundproof night terror pillow. Tearproof night terror pillowcase. <laughs> Howard Hughes toe and fingernail buckets with easy flip vacuum lock tops. Chewable antidepressants. Injectable stool softener. Titanium squatty potty. Ken Burns action figure with flatbed editing bay. Ray Kurzweil's artery opening slash erection inducing nanobots. Life alert bracelet. Choke alert necklace. Shirt alert necktie. Burp alert spinning bow tie. Shirt alert boxer briefs. Chirp alert bird detector. Squirt alert pornography search engine. The Paul McCartney please, please don't forget the Beatles were a thing box set. Reading binoculars. Belly button spackle. Hamstring spatula from when you sit on a plastic chair while wearing shorts. Large print transcript of every podcast ever. Human breast milk. Human breast milk holders. Edible pajamas. Shirt jerky. Candy buttons, salad socks, loaf toaster, elbow moisturizer, Urban Outfitters skinny jeans for varicose vein sufferers. The following books. The Seven Habits of Highly Successful Gary Buseys. The How Will You Die? Choose Your Own Adventure book by WebMD. The Sierra Club Guide to Birds That May Be Trying to Kill You. I wonder if there's change in that curb couch by Suze Orman. <laughs> Migraine-stopping cranial mallet. One of those IKEA Syrian refugee pods. Those seem cool. Deep nasal itch ice pick with scrubbing barbs. Felicity Merriman American Girl doll. Bloat toe footy pajamas. And finally, peace on earth, happiness to all, and that we may all, despite our own hardships and pain, be kind to one another. Thank you very much. <laughs>
Please put your hands together for our next reader, Natalie Palamides. Natalie. All right. Hey, what's up, guys? All right. This is... Okay. <laughs> this is Ultimate Dreidel Fighting Rules by Jen Spira. First off, you didn't choose this life. This life chose you. You're not here because you want this. You're here because you need this. You're here because it's an itch under your skin that only gets scratched from the 25th day of Kislev to the second day of Tibet, and it's 4.23 p.m. on the 25th day of Kislev, and you know precisely what the fuck that means. <laughs> Five minutes till sundown, when we'll welcome the mistress Hanukkah and play dreidel so hard, we slide in our own blood. <laughs> Anyone who knows me as Shoshana Goldfarb will now refer to me as Pitmaster. <laughs> Listen closely. You want to dance with the four-sided devil? You play my way. We throw down San Juan style. That's no holds barred, raw dog, jungle justice. If that gets your dick hard, you're in the right goddamn place. <laughs> If it sounds a little more than you bargained for, then drop some change in the Sadaka box on your way out because once I bar the door, you're in my world. And you're either down to pound or you can get the fuck out of my Hanukkah party. <laughs> Anything goes on the floor. Blades, chains, bottles. If it carves, it's parve. We beast out wild brawl style. I'm talking no limits. Sprawling brawls, lay in praise, can openers, anaconda jokes, fish hooks, pipe cleaners, robot curtsies. The only rule is to kick your opponent's ass so far into 57 to 76, they don't see Shavat go by. <laughs> your role determines your weapon. Gimel gets you a full-on payday. Knives, clubs, exceptionally sharp pieces of brittle. You can even grab the menorah if you can reach it. I'm not gonna lie. Gimel's a lucky-ass role. But it won't do shit if you don't bring the moves. Noon gets you jack dick, so be ready to tango fast and loose with the twin glocks Hashem gave you. Your hands. But don't forget your elbows, skull, and teeth. With noon, you can get scrappy fast, you can get your ass handed to you through your mouth. Hey gets you a small handful of chocolate gel, and I'm happy to hang on to that for you during combat. Shin means you're fucked. You give your opponent a studded belt and pray for mercy. Also, latkes and applesauce will be available for you for refreshment in between rounds. At this point, you might have noticed there aren't any dreidels. You might be wondering where the dreidels are. Here's a tip. Pull your head out of your ass and get into the game! The dreidel's up here, that's right. The dreidel's in your head. <laughs> you simply approach me, look me in the eye, and spin with your soul. If you have no fear, I'll give you a gimmel. Okay, bitches, time to grease the fuck up. Pass around the Vaseline and get good and slick. That's right. Grease it up for mommy. 
your adrenaline should be getting into kicking into gear right about now. The cortisol gushing through your veins like Kadem at a weird Chabad thing your work friend roped you into. Ride it. Surf the molten energy like the sweetest monster half pipe. If you really want to soar, I'm passing around a baggie of crank. You're a scary fucking killer and nothing can stop you. <laughs> now come down for a second for a quick Purell break. There's a stomach thing going around my office and I'm a bridesmaid next weekend. <laughs> All right, warriors, it's go time. Form a tight circle. I'm just gonna hit this jelly donut one more time. Mmm, raspberry. <laughs> she fucking zam, motherfuckers! Time to ride. And if you can still stand by the end of the night, be sure to stay for the Hanukkah Harry Gift Exchange. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, one of my favorite people on planet Earth, Seth Morris. If we haven't done it already, can we give it up for Nate Cordry? The Twelve Days of Christmas by Colin Nissan. Day one. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. Such a thoughtful gift. She knows how much I love fruit. <laughs> she also knows my building's pretty strict about pets, so the bird threw me a little. <laughs> but he is a cute little guy. Day two. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves. Wow, she's really into the avian theme this year. <laughs> um, thank you. I guess I'll just put them in the kitchen with the partridge and the pear tree, which suddenly seems a lot bigger than it did yesterday. <laughs> days three and four. On the third and fourth days of Christmas, she gave me three French hens and four calling birds. <laughs> Funny, I don't, remember her I don't remember telling her my dream was to one day open a chapter of the Audubon Society. <laughs> Jesus. You know what would have been nice? Some bird seed. I'm out of saltines and things are starting to get weird in here. <laughs> day five. On the fifth day of Christmas, she gave me five golden rings. See, now that's a nice gift. A nice, practical gift. A little on the feminine side, but hey, I'll take it. Day six. Six geese a -lang. Hmm. That is so weird because I was just telling someone I could use some more fucking birds. Do you have any idea how much shit six geese generate in a single day? Literally pounds, pounds of green grassy turds. And in case you're curious, all six of them have been laying since they got here. There are no less than 75 enormous eggs in my apartment right now. And as a side note, I tried to make an omelet out of one of them and I almost ralphed. Very gamey. Day seven. Guess what I signed for this morning when the UPS guy rang my doorbell? Seven swans of swimming. True story. So no more baths for me, I guess. Thanks for that. These are terrible gifts. Terrible, confusing gifts. Do you know how big a fucking swan is? Or how mean those bastards are? Oh, and guess who swans don't get along with? Geese, turtle doves, French hens, calling birds, and partridges. Glad you did your homework there. 
There's more bird-on-bird violence going on right now than I care to mention. (sighs) Day eight. I'd like to give you the benefit of the doubt on this one in case you ordered these eight maids of milking online and there was some confusion. But just to clarify, there are eight middle-aged women wearing bonnets in my apartment right now. And they each brought a cow. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? They're all here in my studio apartment. And judging by the size of their suitcases, they aren't leaving anytime soon. Day nine. Big day today. Not only did I receive the unexpected gift of nine ladies dancing, I also got a nice little note from my landlord. Oh, he covered all kinds of stuff, but in a nutshell, it was about excessive dancing, illegal livestock, unnatural amounts of bird feces, and me not living here anymore. Big day! Day 10. 10 lords are fucking leaping. Yes, they are. 10 leotarded assholes are literally jumping around my apartment screaming, wee! Every time their fucking feet leave the goddamn ground. Why? Why are you doing this to me? You're sick. I loved you so much and you destroyed it. You destroyed everything. (sighs) Tensions here are escalating faster than I could have imagined. The maids and dancers appear to have laid territorial claims in opposite corners of the apartment. They are not the same civilized ladies who arrived here a short time ago. They bear a darkness now. One of them stole my golden rings and I know just the one who did it. I'm waiting until nightfall and I will reclaim them through any means necessary. I'm beginning to fear something isn't right with the birds. They're watching me, conspiring. It's just a matter of time. Days 11 and 12. These final days have come and gone in a bewildering fog. I remember drummers, pipers, Lots of them. I haven't slept or washed my body in quite some time. Food is scarce. The fighting, fierce. I killed a lord today. Snatched him right out of the air and killed him with my bare hands. Now he doesn't leap anymore. I used his leotard as a net to trap one of the swans. She was delicious. Didn't even cook the old gal. (laughs) I made everyone gather around and watch. That's what you do when you want to send a message. A very important message. This is my castle. Do you all hear me? Do you see what I've done? What I am capable of? No more eye contact with the king. Do you understand? (sighs) Or I will end you. I will end you all right here and now. Now one of you fetch me a goddamn pair. The king needs something sweet. Thank you. Uh, my next reader is going to read a piece, but I need to, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's the most famous piece that McSweeney's ever published is a piece called It's Decorative Gourd Season, Motherfuckers, by Colin Nissan, who had another piece uh, tonight. It was published in 2009, and it got voted their most um, successful piece. It was emailed the most, it was clicked on the most. And he wrote a companion piece like two weeks ago that uh, Emily Maya Mills is going to read, but before... 
Is that a fire truck? Ugh. Bad timing, fire truck. Um, so I'm going to read It's Decorative Gourd Season, Motherfuckers, and then Emily's going to come out and read the companion piece. So this is uh, so you can fully understand both pieces. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I can't wait to get my hands on some fucking gourds and arrange them in a horn-shaped basket on my dining room table. That shit's going to look so seasonal. I'm about to head up to the attic right now and find that wicker fucker, dust it off, and jam it with an insanely ornate assortment of shellacked vegetables. When my guests come over, it's gonna be like, blammo! Check out my shellacked decorative vegetables, assholes. Guess what season it is? Fucking fall. There's a nip in the air, and my house is full of mutant fucking squash. I may even throw some multicolored leaves into the mix, all haphazard like a crisp October breeze just blew through and fucked that shit up. <laughs> then I'm gonna get to work on making a beautiful fucking gourd necklace for myself. People are gonna be like, aren't those gourds straining your neck? And I'm just gonna thread another gourd onto my necklace without breaking their gaze and quietly reply, it's fall, fuck faces. <laughs> You're either ready to reap this freaky-ass harvest, or you're not. Carving orange pumpkins sounds like a pretty fitting way to ring in the season. You know what else does? Performing an all-gourd reenactment of an episode of Different Strokes, specifically the one where Arnold and Dudley experienced a disturbing brush with sexual molestation. Well, this shit just got real, didn't it? Felonies and gourds have one very important commonality. They're both extremely fucking real. Sorry if that's upsetting you, but I'm not doing you any favors by shielding you from this anymore. The next thing I'm going to do is carve one of the longer gourds into a perfect replica of the Mayflower as a shout out to our pilgrim forefathers. And then I'm gonna do lines of blow off its hull with a hooker. Why? Because it's not summer, it's not winter, and it's not spring. Grab a calendar and pull your fucking heads out of your asses. It's fall, fuckers. <laughs> Have you ever been to an Italian deli with salamis hanging from their ceiling? Well, then you're gonna fucking love my house. Just look where you're walking or you'll get KO'd by the gauntlet of misshapen zucchini descendant bastards swinging from above. And when you do, you're gonna hear a very loud, very stereotypical Italian laugh coming from me. Consider yourself warned. For now, all I plan to do is throw on a flannel shirt some tattered overalls and a floppy fucking hat and stand in the middle of a cornfield for a few days. The first crow that tries to land on me is gonna get his avian ass bitch slapped all the way back to summer. <laughs> Welcome to autumn, fuckheads. That's decorative gourd season. Now it's time to bring out Emily Maya Mills. Emily Maya Mills, please. <laughs> I don't know about you, 
but I can't wait to get these decorative gourds the fuck out of my house. (laughs) The clock expired on these goofy gooseneck bastards about six weeks ago, but I pushed it and the shit got real on me. (laughs) It's autumn overtime up in here and these fuzzy fuckers need to go. I'm sorry. (laughs) When my guests come over, I'm gonna be like, Sorry, my bad on all these rancid ornamental vegetables, you guys. I really should have stayed on top of this perishable shit. One minute falls like, hey, check out my delightful fucking harvest. I smell like cinnamon and apples and shit. Isn't that nice? And I'm like, it's really fucking nice and I wish it could last forever. So Paul's like, be careful what you wish for. All ominous and shit. And I'm like, take it easy, Fall Jesus. And Paul's like, you fucking take it easy. Next thing I know, oh, did I blow the microphone? Hey. Got it. Next thing I know, oh, hey. Next thing I know, I'm rearranging my table horn and my fingers wind up two digits deep in gourd goo. (laughs) And that shit smells like Fall's crotch after a long jog through a fucking cornfield. And Fall's like, you got that? You like that? You like that smell, huh? That's the harvest you're looking for? Take a good whiff, asshole. And I'm like, but the shellac, (laughs) it's still so shiny. (laughs) And Fall just gets up real close on me and whispers, the shellac lies. (laughs) I'm about to throw on some kitchen gloves right now and toss these soupy fuckers into a double trash bag so their putrid squash juice doesn't trickle all over my floor on their way out. Then I need to face the music on these Indian corns that went south on me when I wasn't looking. (laughs) Thought these petrified mini mazes would last forever, but their dried ass niblets took a funky turn and now I got a foyer full of foul fucking cobs to unload. (laughs) After that, I'm gonna head out to the front steps to do a hazmat sweep on these (laughs) jack-o'-lanterns. Seems like yesterday I was carving happy smirks into these dicks. (laughs) But they've changed now. Mutated into a lazy-eyed mob of shriveled fucking squash zombies with Don King mold froze (laughs) sprouting out of their every hole that nature hasn't already shut. (laughs) And then these hail bays. Oh, hay hay bales. That's what they're called. These hay bales in my yard seemed like a nice way to honor the living shit out of fall. (laughs) I even stacked them onto an antique wagon and made it rain all over that 1800s asshole with a stack of red delicious and some crimson fucking foliage. (laughs) Turns out I didn't just make a perfect seasonal masterpiece. I made a perfect fucking vermin condo. And those little pricks laid down more miniature bowel movements than I could wrap my head around. You understand? But now, I know what I need to do to make this shit right again. Okay? 
I'm going to make some overdue amends with the harvest gods and gather up every last scrap of fall I can find, pile it on top of that mouse toilet, (laughs) then douse it with a nice big can of autumnal gasoline and torch this expired-ass season to kingdom fucking come. (laughs) Fall is fucking over, fuckheads! (laughs) Fuck you! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Steve A.G. Leave the pumpkin. How you doing? <clears throat> My dear Mr. Vanderwood, thank you for your recent gift. Now, once again, as the holidays approach, we ask you to remember the plight of the Bosnian and Serbian orphans. For many of these children, there will be no Christmas, no presents, no toys, and worst of all, no parents to love and protect them. We thank you for your past generosity and hope you will not forget these little ones as you enjoy the comfort and affluence of your safe, warm home during this joyous season. Yours sincerely, Kurt Lux. P.S. Please accept the enclosed paper Christmas wreath and hand-constructed by seven-year-old burn victim Susie and hang it on your tree. I trust you'll think of the orphans whenever you look at it. (laughs) Dear Mr. Vanderwood, if this letter happens to cross yours in the mail, please forgive me. I know the post office is slow and unreliable during the Christmas rush. I'm sure you received my last letter and that your generous gift is already on its way to help the homeless orphans of war-torn Bosnia-Herzegovina. But just in case our letter, or even yours, God forbid, might have gone astray, I'm sending this reminder to thank you for what you have already done and to ask if you can find it in your heart to do just a little bit more this Christmas. Yours sincerely, Kurt Lux. P.S. The attached miniature pine cone painted holiday green and dipped in glitter was brought back from the former war zone in the tattered coat pocket of a little boy we call Buster. Enjoy. Dear Mr. Vanderwood, I'll admit I'm puzzled. Surely you must have received my previous letters asking you to add just a little holiday cheer to the lives of our orphaned Bosnian and Serbian boys and girls, and surely you cannot be unmoved by their tragic plight. After all, you made a significant contribution to our cause only a few months ago. Perhaps you yourself have faced unfortunate circumstances recently, a long illness, the loss of a job, or even the loss of a loved one. If so, I offer you my deepest, most heartfelt sympathy, and I look forward to hearing from you in the near future when things are going better for you. But if you are not facing hard times, Mr. (laughs) Vanderwood, if what you suffer from is merely a hard heart, God help you, Mr. Vanderwood. (laughs) Yours, Kurt Lux. P.S. The enclosed sketch of the Dove of Peace was was done by little Amaric, a paraplegic war orphan who has learned to draw by holding a piece of charcoal between his teeth. I hope it fills you with the generous spirit of Christmas. Mr. Vanderwood, as I write this, the orphans are weeping. I had to tell them that there would be no toys this Christmas, that they might not even have a roof over their heads come December 25th. Why, they cried, because a man named Richard Vanderwood has apparently decided that your unimaginable pain doesn't matter. 
because he has put his own selfish whims and desires above your basic needs because he thinks you are not worth saving. At this point, I had to restrain one of the children, Tedescu, from leaping through a plate glass window. How can I be so sure of your lack of charity? You see, Mr. Vanderwood, I did a little checking around. I found that you are not sick, that none of your friends or loved ones have died recently, and that you have not only been fired, but have received a sub not not been fired, but have received a substantial raise and promotion in the past few months. I'm not enclosing a postpaid return envelope with this letter because if you do decide to melt your icy heart and send a donation, which I doubt, I think it appropriate that you should pick up the tab. Yours, Kurt Lux. P.S. The enclosed finger painting portrait of you, you're the one with the fangs, <laughs> is by Liesel, an eight-year-old deaf mute. The bright object underneath you is either a holiday candle or the flames of hell. Of course, we can't ask Liesel, can we? <laughs> Mr. Vanderwood, if you think you can escape the consequences of your evil actions, or rather inactions, you are wrong. You will pay. I will see to it personally, and I'll have lots of help. You forget, Mr. Vanderwood, that these, Bosnian and Ser these are Bosnian and Serbian orphans. They have been handling firearms and explosives since they were two. They are really pissed off at the world and don't know who to blame. But you make a very plausible target. We know where you live. Kurt Lux. P.S. The fiery red composition I've attached to this letter is the joint effort of Tommy and Tony, identical twins who have sworn a sacred blood oath. That's their blood on the paper. Not to rest until they have taken vengeance upon you. The artwork depicts your head as it would look after losing an encounter with a fragmentation grenade. A picture I hope to see someday in real life. Oh, Ricky boy. You've really done it now, mister. I heard the cops coming up the stairs and managed to hide in an air vent while they were ransacking my office. After they left, I took the few weapons they had missed, stuffed my remaining files into a briefcase, and then torched the place. So now you know there are no orphans, Bosnian, Serbian, or Martian. But that doesn't let you off the hook, Rick, not by a long shot. If there had been any orphans, they would have been just as hungry and hopeless as my letters made out, and you'd be just as guilty. Oh no, Vanderwood, you aren't out of the woods yet, because no matter where you go or how much police protection they give your worthless ass, I'll find you. I'll hunt you down like a dog and show you ethnic cleansing like you've never seen before. If I... If I were you, I'd start drinking gallon jugs of double espresso right now and make plans to never, ever go to sleep again. Better install rearview mirrors on your glasses, too. Wherever you are, I'll be right behind you. Kurt Lux. P.S. Enclosed is an artist rendering of the place I'd most like to visit on this earth. Your grave. Thank you. There you have it, another episode of Reading Aloud, uh, a holiday-themed episode of Reading Aloud. You just heard Steve Agee uh, read Kurt, uh, Kurt Luck's piece, The Spirit of Christmas. Before that, it was Emily Maya Mills. Uh, and before that, she was reading Colin Nissen. And before that was Seth Morris, also reading Colin's work. Natalie Palamides. 
Bob Duca and Megan Amram started us off. Thank you to all of my readers and to all the writers. Um, it's really appreciated that you guys allow me to put this stuff onto the podcast. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. And an extra special thank you to um, everyone who's taken part in the book club this past year. Um, Ashley, Yelena, uh, Emily, Jake, Stephen, uh, Gina, Jeff, Gabe, Harry. Uh, there's been a, a, an amazing amount of folks who've reached out to me. John, Mike, thank you, Mike, Rachel, Christine, Martina. So many people have reached out over the year for all of our book clubs. And, and I'm so glad that you guys are listening and paying attention. And um, hopefully this show is, sort of inspires you to, um, to read a bit more. I, I, I have to say that... Um, it's one of the reasons that I do the show is, is because I, 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 I don't have a degree in English or literature. I just, I came to reading late. And, um, and so I, I, I try to, uh, I try to bring in, uh, like an everyman sort of, uh, point of view to, to reading. Um, and I must say that I'm really thankful also to IndieWire for pointing out Reading Aloud, putting it on their list of the best storytelling podcasts of the year. It was our first award. Thank you, IndieWire. Um, I shouldn't say it was an award. It was a list. Same difference. Uh, but it made me feel great because they sort of summed up the show in the way that I wanted it to be summed up. Um, that it was the everyman's version of a book club. Um, that it was accessible and... Uh, and funny, and um, the book clubs were great. So, so thank you, IndieWire, for um, for singling us out. That's much appreciated. Thank you. Um, so, thanks again for listening to this episode of Reading Aloud. I'll be back next week with an unbelievable interview with Gloria Steinem. Uh, I can't wait to share it with you. That'll be on New Year's Day. That is my New Year's Day gift to you: a chat with the amazing Gloria Steinem. Don't forget to go pick up Fates and Furies, Lauren Groff. Get it at your local independent bookstore. Read it and be a part of the show. You can uh, email us at readingaloudpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter, readingaloudpod. Uh, and also I'm at I'm Nate Cordry. Um, thanks so much for listening to Reading Aloud. Hope your Christmas holiday is wonderful and we'll see you next week. This has been a Wolf Pop production. Executive produced by Paul Shear, Adam Sachs, Chris Bannon, and Matt Gorley. For more information and content, visit wolfpop.com.